So last week we started um, a new kind of block of talks, all on this whole idea of how can we um, learn lessons from what Jesus talked about. And um, we started off by looking at a story, a parable that Jesus told called the, the, the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son. Um, I don't normally say go back and listen to something, but I think it was quite good last time. Even though it was me speaking, I've not suddenly gone all arrogant and like full of my own self-worth. Um, but I think there's a couple of things in there that I would really love people to get hold of to do with what I think we need to understand to do with our perspective and perception of God, but also his thoughts and feelings about us. So if you, um, if you have got 20 minutes, it's only 20 minutes, I was, I was a good boy, I managed to get it done quite quickly... If you got 20 minutes free this week and you weren't here last week, have a listen to it. Because I, I really hope that there's something in there that would make you feel um, seen and heard and loved and encouraged, I suppose. Um, sometimes challenged maybe in, in our kind of thoughts and, and our kind of ways that we need to, to move forward. But I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that one because I think that it's, it's um, something that would be really good for us to take hold of and... and I don't know, just be comforted by as a message. So um, we talked about the prodigal son last week. Uh, this week we're moving on to another story that Jesus told and learning lessons from um, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, the context that this story, um, this story um, arrives in is a classic kind of normal scenario. It doesn't give you an awful lot of background as to what's going on just before Jesus tells this story. But it's basically Jesus is somewhere in public and someone... Um, who was described as an expert in the law, which is usually a religious scholar of the day, decides to try and ask Jesus a question. Now, it's not because they're really intrigued to know, they just really want to know his perspective and they would just love to hear his thoughts. They want to try and trick him to um, make him make a mistake that gives them evidence that they can use against him to kind of prove that he is a heretic or he's blasphemous um, and that he should be uh, punished as a result. So Jesus was often in these tricky scenarios where he was constantly being... Um, people were trying to catch him out. So that's the scenario that we find at the start of this story. You can find this story in Luke 10, um, and it's verses um, 25 um, through to uh, 37. So this is what it says. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, we'll take a pause there, because often when we read this story, we think, ah, eternal life. In our current um, kind of 21st century understanding of what that means, the question is, how do I get to heaven? No. The question at this time, at the moment when Jesus was being asked this question, no one talked about this concept of the afterlife. No one talked about heaven. No one particularly even focused on that as the goal, what's going to happen to you when you die. It wasn't on the agenda of thinking or discussion at the time. That's just the way people lived and existed and thought. So when that question is asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The, the guy is asking, how do I live a life that's of eternal value? How do I squeeze everything out of this life that we have now in order to, to get, get the best experience, to kind of be the kind of person that God wants me to be? 
So it's not about what happens when you die. It's about um, how do I make the most out of the life that I've been given to live now? So that's the question, really. So Jesus replies to this question, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Knowing that this guy was an expert in the law, he thought, well, I'll let you tell everyone what you think the right answer is. So this guy answers, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus says, you have answered correctly. So do this and you will live. So do this and you will be the best kind of person that you should be. That wasn't um, an adequate response for the expert of the law. He needed Jesus to, um, to make more mistakes than this. So he then turns around and says, but um, um, he asks him, and who is my neighbour? So you're saying that's what I should do. Who, who would you describe to be my neighbour? And this is when Jesus tells this story. In reply, Jesus says this, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, who was the helper in the temple, uh, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Jesus turns to this man and says, which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So this is a story that you've probably heard many, many times. And it's a classic Sunday school story. And I suppose the message that we come away from it is, go, is basically we should be kind to everyone. That's the, that's the basic premise of the story. So when we tell it in a Sunday school type setting, often we, we feel like we're giving people good advice because it helps them understand you need to treat people well, even if they're a stranger, even if you don't know them. Man, this story is so much more complex than that. And I love Jesus's style of storytelling because he's so controversial and so... Um, He's actually so humorous and so clever in the way he tells the story. So I want to pick out some of those things for us today that that give us a bigger understanding and a wider perspective of what was going on at the time, but also um, what point Jesus was really trying to make. And, And actually, as we said last week, Jesus knows the audience that he's talking to. So when he uses these particular things, he's doing it on purpose. So there's a few things, um, a few important elements that we need to grasp. Um, and I've, I've talked about it already, I kind of interjected in the story. Um, the meaning of that story is, is not about the way to eternal life. It's, about, um, it's not about getting to heaven. It's about living life in the here and now of eternal value. I've talked about that already. But as Jesus tells this story, we need to imagine the scenario. There's a group of people around him who are from that area. They know the geography of the area. They know the political climate of the time. 
So as Jesus starts telling these things, there will be an audible reaction to some of the stuff that he's saying. And the first thing that I notice in this story that I love, that I found out a few years ago, is that actually there's quite a lot of irony and humour in what Jesus is saying. So when he talks about the introduction to the story, he says a man is going on a journey um, from Jerusalem to Jericho. Everyone sat or stood around at that time knew the journey from Jerusalem to Jericho because they'd all been on it. It was their territory, it was their area. So Jesus tells this story and talks about this path between Jerusalem and Jericho. So immediately everyone can picture the path in their minds because they know what it's like. But the irony and humour about this is that the path that Jesus describes is a single track with a cliff face on one side and a a sheer drop the other. So as Jesus tells the story and describes this scenario of this guy getting beaten up, left for dead, and then these two characters of of good standing within the community cross down the path, arrive down the path, he talks about this, this moment, this encounter with this guy lying on the road, Um, And he simply says, oh yeah, and they they saw him there and they crossed over to the other side. They couldn't cross over to the other side because there was no other side. There was no um, crossing, like walking around or walking away from the man who needed help. So you can imagine as he was telling it, the people would have been laughing going as if there is no other side. We all know that. They had to step over this guy's lifeless body. So there's a kind of subtle kind of dig or expose of the characters in this story as he describes them not actually being able to cross over the other side because there is no other side of the road. They just have to step over uh, this guy's body. And I think the interesting thing is, as as the story um, unfolds, these two characters who are meant to be the people who would help and be there for anyone in the community, as they ignore the man who has been left for dead, um, he then brings this other character in, the Samaritan. And over the years, I remember hearing so many talks about this story where people would just go, oh yeah, the Samaritan, he wasn't a nice guy. People didn't like him. And they kind of painted the Samaritan in this picture of being someone who was um, not a good person. The reality is, I don't think we can even begin to understand the political kind of um, point that Jesus was trying to make when he chose the Samaritan. Because the fact is, for the people who were listening to this story, a Samaritan was a person that they believed could do no good thing. There was nothing good about people from Samaria. There was such hatred. It wasn't just a dislike or the fact that they supported a different football team to the people in the crowd. I've heard those kind of things are kind of almost suggested that, oh yeah, they were rival fans. No, this is absolute hatred to a level where, where they believed that there could never be any good come out of um, Samaria or someone from Samaria. So the fact that he chose a Samaritan probably completely stunned the crowd into silence because they were probably offended by the fact that he even brought this character into the story. But not only was it a controversial kind of character to bring in, there's then this, uh, this whole idea of what the Samaritan goes on to do. And the interesting thing is Jesus knew as he was telling this story that we would love those that we know as a default, that if we came across someone that we knew and loved in need uh, and in danger, we would automatically, he knew that we would step in 
and help. That's what he knew the default response would be for all of us. But actually, Jesus' message in this story was so much more complicated, and he takes this idea of loving your neighbour onto a completely different level. And as I said before, we've made this story into like a Sunday school story that almost says the moral of the story is be kind to strangers. But Jesus deliberately chose a controversial character. He deliberately chose someone who was hated by the people who were listening to the story. Now, the interesting thing for me was when I look at how he told the story, what he could have done um, to make a, a lesser point is choose the Samaritan to be the injured guy, couldn't he? He could have said, oh, this Samaritan was walking down the road, got beaten up, you know, because he's a Samaritan and everyone hates him. Um, so what would the neighbourly thing to do uh, be to do? It would be to pick up the Samaritan and you love him and you care for him. That would have been a controversial outcome on its own. That would have been Jesus pushing the crowd to go, would you even love a Samaritan? Would you even care for a Samaritan if they were left for dead on the side of the road? That would have been a great story. And it would have been one that would have challenged everyone at the time. But the reality was, he didn't even tell that as the story. His story was even more complicated and even more um, controversial. Because not only did he introduce a Samaritan character... He made the Samaritan character the saviour of the story, the hero, the example that everyone listening to the story should follow, which was an absolutely alien concept for everyone listening because they didn't believe any good could come from someone from Samaria. And what I love about the way Jesus tells the story is he really milks it because he doesn't only say, oh yeah, and the Samaritan came along and helped him. Wow. Imagine that, a Samaritan helping someone who we didn't believe there was any good in them. No, the Samaritan doesn't just help him. He gets his oil and his wine out and pours it on his wounds. So he's extravagant in his help. It wasn't something that was cheap or easy to come across. He pours these expensive items onto the wounds of the guy. He goes above and beyond in that moment to try and soothe and help this person. But he doesn't stop there. He then puts him on his own donkey. And then he leads his donkey to, uh, to um, an inn and says, here's some money. Here's some money that will cover the cost of everything that, that it would take for you to nurse this person back to life. But he didn't stop there. He said, and do you know what? If it costs more, next time I'm walking past, I'll then cover any extra expense. So keep a record of it because I'm, I'm properly in for changing this guy's life. Imagine the people around listening. They were probably angry because they'd sat there and go, but this is ridiculous. How dare you suggest that a Samaritan could be someone who could do so much good? But this was exactly Jesus' point. He wanted to highlight the, what they thought was a controversial statement um, to actually be, do you know what? This is what it looks like to be a neighbour. This is what it looks like to be a neighbour. Someone from an alien country being in your country, stepping in, who you think uh, is worthless and can do no good, stepping in to help one of your own that you all rejected. So the, it's not just a story about being kind to strangers. It's a story um, with real depth. And, and for me, the fact that Jesus chose to make this character the hero shows us so much of the person of Jesus and, and how he wasn't prepared to toe the party line to say the things that needed to be said in order to fit in with everyone else. He deliberately 
caused controversy in that moment just to make a point to say, do you know what? This whole thing of loving your neighbour is way bigger than you have suggested it should be. How far will you go to enable someone um, to, be, to be loved and supported and cared for? So the story Jesus told makes it abundantly clear. We are called to love everyone. Because you know what? Sometimes when we talk about loving people, we, we can talk about loving them, but then we always have these caveats, don't we? We go, oh yeah, apart from if they were to do this or if they were to say this or, or if it was that kind of person. We can easily put caveats in that excuse us not needing to love someone because of who they are or the way that they've behaved. But Jesus' story challenges every single caveat that we, might, that we might put into place and says, do you know what? There is never a reason for us not to be loving in our response. So what does it look like? What does love look like? There's lessons we can learn from this story. Well, maybe love is, is not needing to agree, not needing to come from the same kind of standpoint or, or, or perspective as someone else. Just like the Samaritan was very different to the person that he steps into to care for. It's not needing to agree. Also, we learn from the story that love looks like doing things without expecting something in return. At no point did the Samaritan leave his details to say, and when you're ready, when you're better, you can start paying me back for all the stuff that I've done for you. There's no narrative in the story that says anything like that. Also, what does love look like? Sometimes we won't win or gain something from it. That's the reality, isn't it? Sometimes we will do things for others and we won't uh, win or gain something from it. We won't, maybe we won't even get recognition or, or kind of acknowledgement of what we've done. But is it right to still love in those times? Absolutely it is. The other message that I think is amazing in this story that is so simple, and we learn it from the three different encounters, is that sometimes love looks like just needing to stop to help. How many times have we found ourselves in the busyness of life, um, on that treadmill, and we look at things going on around us, and we decide, uh, I really hope someone steps in to sort that situation out. I really hope that someone would, would see that and, and acknowledge that and help. The fact that we notice it is probably a bit of a sign that we need to be proactive in our decision to stop and help and support and love in those kind of times. And maybe there's times that you've been going through things and you've sat there and gone, I just wish someone would notice. I don't want to have to say it blatantly. I don't want to have to come out and and go and reach out to someone and say, I'm not okay. I just need someone to to notice that maybe I'm overwhelmed or or I'm struggling and, and, and things are difficult. And actually, do you know what? Sometimes we are our own worst enemy because we are so consumed by the things that we're trying to manage and juggle that the capacity for us to see beyond ourselves is really limited. And this story for me is a bit of a reminder of can we have a wide enough perspective that we would be able to notice? Because you know what? If something happened to someone you loved and you hadn't realised that stuff was difficult, we would all beat ourselves up about it, wouldn't we? We'd go, I just wish I'd noticed. I wish I was more aware. I wish I was more attentive. And do you know what? It's a challenge because we all have our own things to deal with. 
don't we? We all have our own pressures to deal with and our own um, things that feel um, overwhelming for us. But somehow we, we need to get a balance where we see, um, not only acknowledge what we're going through, we see what other people are going through as well. But the other kind of key message that I love about this story, which is, I think is the one that's often uh, forgotten or not particularly noticed, is that Jesus says through this story that everyone has the capacity to love. Even people that you deem beyond being able to do that. Everyone has the capacity to love. And the Samaritan in the story is a complete and utter hero and shames the people who should be the obvious heroes of the story. What a brilliant tale he tells. What a great story. Um, and I, I just, I wish I could have a bird's eye view of that situation to see how awkward the crowd would have been as, as the people that they cared about and thought were special in their society let them down and the person that they thought could never do anything good became this hero. I'm, I'm sure people wandered away just thinking, I don't know what to make of this. Um, but Jesus talks like this a lot. He shares, kind of, he shares stuff like this to challenge us in these kind of ways a lot. And there's a passage at the end of Matthew, Matthew 25, um, where he's, he's having this conversation with the disciples, basically about um, what God, like kind of how God wants us to behave while we're on earth. Similar kind of scenario to this. And he describes this scenario um, where... Um, He's imagining this king welcoming people in, this, this God character welcoming people in. And this is what he says, it's verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. So in essence, the people who've, who've he's, he's picking out the people who've done life well and done life right and treated people well. And this is what he says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did, you see, uh, when did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And I think that's the point, isn't it? It's not even the case of having to imagine that each person that you come across who needs help could be Jesus, but actually shifting our perspective. Um, it's about honing our ability to see the divine in each interaction, in each encounter, in each conversation, in each environment, in each person, in each event that we find ourselves in. We don't have to try and... Um, Imagine that person's Jesus. But do you know what? God has something that we can do in every scenario that we find ourselves in. And if we can hone our ability to see that divine thing in each of those moments, in each of those places that we find ourselves, then that's where we begin to see what love can look like in our everyday lives. That's how we can begin to see what loving our neighbour looks like in your everyday reality. 
It's not about switching it on or off, of going, oh, there's, there's danger, someone might need help, I'll step in and be the saviour. It's actually just about being a carrier of God's love into every situation. My dream for every one of us in this room is that when we walk into a room, some, the room lights up in some way. That there's something about our character, something about our personality, about what we offer into that room that brings a lightness, whether it's a lightness of atmosphere or just general kind of feeling of, of how people feel when we're in a room. That, to me, is the kind of stuff that is love in action and love visible um, in our lives. Um, and we each have different environments that we exist in. Uh, and my question to us is, what would it look like if we, if we carried love into those situations and tried to make a difference? Because for me, that's what love could look like for us. So I'm just going to finish now by just giving us a bit of space just to think, because I've thrown all of this stuff at you about this story and, and hopefully made you think about not only, um, not only kind of uh, how we think about God, but also how we then um, put this stuff into action with other people. So let's take some time to consider our approach to the people in our lives. Maybe it's those closest to us, our family, our loved ones. Maybe it's friends or work colleagues or our neighbours. What about those we just see every now and then? Or the people that we don't know but recognise their faces? Or maybe it's people we've never met before. Let's think about how we respond to people in all those different kind of situations. What adjustments can we make in the way that we operate and behave to become love to those people? And if we can be um, really connected to God in the way that we do our lives, what kind of things might we see in those scenarios that we find ourselves in? So let's just take a moment just to think, talk to God about it, And uh, then I'll pray to close. Father God, I pray you would help us uh, to be love to the people that we come across in our lives. Whether it's just a chance encounter or a a real kind of close, um, long-standing relationship. And anywhere in between, God, I pray that you would help us to be people who are love who are the kind of people that you've created us to be, Uh, the kind of person that Jesus is describing in this story, someone who would go above and beyond just to make sure uh, someone was okay and loved and supported. God, help us to be a good neighbour to the people that we we see in our lives. And uh, just guide us, God. We need you. That's the difference. We need you alongside us, helping us to get this stuff right. So I just pray that we would um, involve you and include you and connect with you in our lives um, and that you'd equip us to be able to do this stuff really well. So just be close uh, and help us as we try and work out how to put this stuff into practice. Amen.